All right, it's 4.06 p.m. on a Sunday, and we're live back again for the Shake and Blake at Home Edition. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. John, how are you? Not bad, not bad. Just celebrating a Wildcat weekend. Because I got some big wins on in basketball, and nothing really much to it. Just, just, just one of those weekends, you know. Yeah, it was pretty solid. I mean, you know, to make a callback to last week, I mentioned how I hadn't had any caffeine on Sunday, and I was forcing myself to watch the Ole Miss game. I, I'm a lot better now. I've had I have had some coffee and a diet Dr Pepper zero sugar, and I mean, I just watched the TCU game, which we'll we'll talk about shortly. I wanted to cry. It was so good. And I mean, you know, and also I got some donuts from Walmart. My mom wouldn't like to hear that, but I decided I didn't eat breakfast and I was like, well, you know, I've kind of been keeping at my own weight for a while and I was trying to gain weight anyway. So like, I was like, I'll get some donuts. Like what, like, uh, like you with the caffeine, but, uh, what always gets me going in the morning is Ovaltine, which is pretty much protein chocolate milk. So, oh, nice. uh, like, like, like when we did our show last week, when we lost to Ole Miss, I w- I did not have any, and I was just, <laughs> I, I I was just so uninspired to do the show. But uh, I, I'm I'm ready to get things going again. Well, it's a little bit later in the day too, so I got my oval team. Yeah, so. yeah, I was. I just went for a walk too. I got some sun, which really helps. In the morning, I have this uh this Fruit Loop flavored protein that my my stepmom got me for Christmas. It's actually pretty good. I'm usually not a fan of whey protein. I usually like plant-based. I think it just tastes better, but I think it's actually pretty good. I, I might give it a try sometime, possibly. Yeah, I, I don't remember what it's called, but I mean, they'll have to sponsor us anyway if they want me to give them a shout out, right? That's right. <laughs> okay, well, a few announcements before we get into the uh, men's basketball win against TCU. Uh, make sure if you haven't already to follow the podcast wherever you're listening, take our quizzes that are on Sporkle. Uh, those links will be in the description of this episode as well as our social media links. So, I mean, John's K-State game day page just hit 3,000 followers. So congrats on that, John. Appreciate it, man. Been busting my butt off. Just upgraded my uh, graphics a little bit. So uh, if, you're, if you're ever wanting to follow into K-State sports on Instagram, give a follow to K-State game day. Yeah, that link will be in the description as well as John's personal Instagram. But, I mean, let's go ahead and get into uh, the K-State's 75-63 win on Tuesday on the road against TCU. Revenge after choking at home against TCU. I mean, John, you can take it away at first, but I just, I mean, those first five minutes, I was like, I wanted to break down crying. It was just such good basketball. It was really good basketball. And I felt like compared to the last few games, this was a more team-based effort, like all around. Uh, it just looked like there was a lot more bright spots uh, from every player on the court. I mean, you're, you you got four players reaching double digits in terms of scoring. Nigel Pack, of course, leading with 20 points. Um, you also got some really bright spots from Marquise Noel, who has been a little bit rough during conference play at times. And then Mike McGurl uh, getting uh, stepping back up uh, over these past few, two games. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I think it was a really, really big win, uh, especially – uh, when we got things going in the second half, when TCU was starting to kind of claw their way back into it, K-State started getting the three-point three point shooting going with Ish Masood at times and then Nigel Pack and Mike McGurl. But it was it was just a really good performance. I think K-State could have maybe put the pedal to the metal a little bit more, but nonetheless, it was a big win over what was previously a scorching red-hot TCU team. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get too nitpicky. You know, I mean, it's, it's great to get back-to-back wins. I mean, I think the combination of these two wins of winning one that was kind of a, you know, like a pretty, a really close game. It was pretty rough. It wasn't perfect, but you hit the game winner to take it. And then a really clean game against TCU offensively and defensively, I think, is a really good combination to set yourself up for hopefully, you know, a better game at home against Baylor on Wednesday. But uh, before we get any further talking about the TCU game, I did want to touch on like some of the the broadcast for the TCU game. I don't know Um, who did, you know, obviously as, you know, uh, TV production experts ourselves working for K-State HGTV, which is a total joke, but (laughs) we don't have that much experience. But I mean, like, it looked like they were in the matrix, like that first five minutes for the lighting. It was so weird. I mean, purple on purple is pretty tough to shade, but it was just so weird. My eyes were burning, and and I don't know if a court, but basketball court didn't make it any easy. That is just one weird basketball court they got. And then you also got like the TCU black uniforms. It was a blackout game for them. So K State just decided to go lavenders. I'm like, what? What are these colors? I'm just like colorblind all of a sudden. Just <laughs> that's honestly what it felt like. It was so weird. I mean, I'm sure I highly doubt it was a full like student broadcast like we do because. I mean, it was on ESPNU. I I don't know if TC would like if they would uh, put put that out to like their TCU student crew, but I don't know. It was pretty weird. They showed the wrong score going to break one time too. They had a graphics error. Yeah, they, they, it was. They and then go ahead. I know as well. They didn't have a graphics error like um, when they were talking about a certain uh, stat on it. I think it's TCU player. Yeah, it just didn't show type of percentages. So I think that it was just an error on their part for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's live TV stuff happens, obviously, but it's even weirder. They like for the under 16 timeout to start the game, they didn't take a break. They just talked for two and a half minutes. I don't know why they, and then for the second one, they only break for like a minute and then they had to fill more time. It was just really weird. I just, I just thought I would touch on that because it was something that was in my head while I was watching the game. But I mean, early, I mean, <laughs> but to actually talk about how about we talk about a little bit of basketball? I mean, it was a really great start. I think they got up 15 7. Uh, I will point out uh, Damian Baugh for TCU was pretty big. Uh, he had a couple, I think he had three threes early on to really kind of halt the run yeah. and keep K-State from getting too far out ahead. But I mean, just generally speaking, it was just, I mean, it was a work of art. I mean, we, we had active hands on defense. We were moving the ball really well. The drive and kick was just superb. I thought our play design was really well, um, really well done too, which I, I feel like I, I would have never, I've never really said in the Bruce Weber era, I mean, we, there's that one play in the first half. We want a curl screen to Nigel Pack, and um, with Carlton Lingard setting the screen, he turns and he's wide open, and it's an easy laydown. I, I just, I was just having so much fun watching this game, especially in the first half. I mean, you you touched it. I think offensively, this might be the best best performance this season for K State. Um, the the numbers exactly in terms of field goal percentage and three point shooting wasn't the best, but I think just it was in a way, just more consistent. Like the team was just more at it. There was, there was not a whole lot of like uh, self inconsistencies at times. I mean, I think all around, it was just really consistent um, for sure. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, I mean, the consistency helps when you have four and double figures as well. 20 from pack now averaging 17 points a game. I mean, he's up there for most points per game in the big 12. Smith with a 16 and 10, which you really like. I mean, three really great games from Mark Smith after he struggled a couple times. Marquise Noel got back into a rhythm, 14, 6 and 6. 
Really like that from him. Only three turnovers, which isn't terrible. I mean, also four steals from Nigel Pack. Really impressive stuff. Mike McGurl is the one that really stands out to me, though. I mean, yeah, to be able to, you know, he had the 10 rebound game last game, you know, even though his shot wasn't falling, was able to get involved. He had a, he had three threes in this game for 13 points and we're undefeated when he goes in double digits. So, I mean, it was really yeah. important for him. I'm not sure if we'll get Selton Miguel back on Wednesday. I don't know if they hit that in press conferences, but I mean, it could really, it could really help. I mean, I think Davion Bradford, Carlton Lingard, that's something I was going to mention too. I think they had really good games. I, I, I'm going to touch on uh, Mike McGurl, just as you did as well. K-State moved to 5-0 and this season with McGurl scoring in double figures. Uh, McGurl started a second straight Big 12 game as uh, for Selton McGill, uh, and he's put up some really good performances, 10 rebounds against Oklahoma State, which really helped uh, in terms of the uh, difference because K-State, before the Oklahoma State game, was getting out-rebounded badly. Um, so really good to see defensively Mike McGurl getting physical and aggressive. Uh, he may not be the best player on the team, far from it. But he is clearly one of the most important players on the roster when K-State needs him the most. Uh, and like I said on Friday, if they're going to take their chances uh, on, a, on, a heat, on, a, on a guard who's, who's just shooting like crazy uh, it, or just playing great basketball, and I think Mike McGurl really did show it against TCU uh, for sure. Yeah, that really helped. I mean, if you didn't get to watch the game, uh, they started off really hot. I mean, they're up 15-7. TCU would kind of get back within eight, six points, but then we would get a steal or we would hit a big shot, which really helped us kind of keep that lead at double digits. Uh, we led 35-28 at halftime. Um, start the second half a little bit slow. It gets 39-37, Casey only up by two points. But key point in the game, John, Kellis Robinette pointed this out on Twitter. I think the under-16 timeout, TCU plays Sandstorm, their home arena. Oh, yeah. Huge. They obviously, how, like, I don't know who scouted this game against K State, but like, you've really got to, you got to go beyond the game of basketball. You got to let the producers know, like, hey, man, like, stuff magic happens when this team, you know, here's Sandstorm. So, and then we proceed to go on like an 18 to five run and we get a big lead. I mean, it really made it really, it was, I mean, just don't play Sandstorm. I mean, that was also the lavender jerseys probably helped too. God bless the lavender, lavender jerseys. Those are just cream of a crock. Uh, if you're wanting to talk about Sandstorm, I, I'm still questioning why we didn't play it against KU. I don't know if it's just becoming too, too, I don't know, insulting towards your rival, even though Oklahoma State did it yesterday against Oklahoma with, with their Lincoln-Riley newspapers and all. But, I mean, you touched on it. TCU, that was as close as TCU was going to get in the second half. And uh, you, you know, some of these so, slow starts and, and halves are pretty common for K-State. When you look back at the Oklahoma State game, K-State kind of blew a big lead uh, um, when the second half began. And the TCU, um, TCU one says, uh, says the same story as well. Um, but it, I thought it, when K-State really got the three-point shooting going, I think that's when they got, got it going, when you got consider the likes of Nigel Pack. He's going to get things going eventually uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, you're going to get Ish Masood here and there at times. Mike McGurl. Uh, Mike McGurl had three three-pointers last night as well, um, which I think when you can get big numbers from like that, I think that's going to help you win games for sure. Yeah, it really helps. I mean, just when you have four and double figures, you know, we've been talking about consistency 
pretty much all season long. You know, we talked about the depth and non-conference play, how deep this team was, but we just couldn't really get that consistency to finish games off. But, you know, having help from Mike McGurl and then Mark Smith, all these guys having great games at the same time, it's a really a recipe for success. And it, it really helped us out. I mean, um, you know, I just have mentioned, you know, um, keep, kind of keep going through this game. What, at seven minutes left, Jamie Dixon gets teed up because kind of we get a series of fouls that really go our way, which really helped us as well. I mean, just yeah. pretty good. Go ahead, John. I'm, I, I am noticing a pattern every time when we play TCU. It just always seems as if Jamie Dixon – uh, gets teed up uh, when playing against K-State and I, I don't know I think I, it, it it just I, I'll give TCU they were just not some very good calls that went their way but TCU did not TCU did not shoot well either uh, let me go to the stats here real quickly uh, TCU uh, they were 22 of 56 shooting six of 20 from from beyond from three point uh, three point range uh, 13 of 22 from a free throw line. I know they had Mike Miles out, but I mean, if you're if you're a team that's trying to go into March Madness uh, with a chip on the shoulder, uh, you got to have someone step up for TCU. They just did not have the weapons uh, to do so against what was nearly uh, a full, healthy K State team, uh, and it just it just looked like K State had a little more and a little more of a momentum swing going. And I think when you consider what happened previously against TCU? I don't think K State was going to be. Uh, I don't think K State was ready to kind of go through that same phase again. I think K State was really wanting to get things going uh, in this one game. Payback out of the Horn Frogs. Yeah, I think there was a ton of motivation to get payback after throwing a, a game away like that, especially in your home floor. You don't really want to get swept in the Big Twelve like this. If you want to compete, you gotta, you know, you gotta at least be splitting with teams, especially teams that are most likely going to finish middle of the pack like TCU. Well, that, and you also add to the fact that, well, but the second half three-point shooting was abysmal on TCU's part. Uh, for the first part, they were 35% uh, percent when it came when it came to three-point shooting. I mean, the second half, they were one for 14. That's just not going to win you any games either. Uh, K-State's defense, you got to give them credit again. K-State just hung in there reboundingly. Uh, just getting better and better when it comes to rebound. TCU at 36, K-State had, had 33. Mark Smith, of course, with 10 rebounds. Uh, you also got some big rebounds from Marquise Noel as, uh, also. Uh, so I think defensively, this this was just a pretty good game on, on our parts. I think K-State kind of gave up some shots in the paint that they shouldn't have. But I think when you look at the overall comparison between the defense and the offense, I think this is the most – completed performance this season well especially in big 12 play because i think because big 12 season really tells the story of how things are going to go yeah i was trying to think of how like the the texas tech game went at home because i mean obviously we won by double digits in that one but i didn't i didn't really remember like us not playing super well but how it really went but i mean as far as i can remember this is probably the best game we've played so far in conference play and i mean i think you mentioned it it's pretty weird that like TCU shot, you know, under 40% from the field, 21% from three, and they still out-rebounded us, which, I mean, they had those uh, 15 offensive rebounds, which was pretty yeah. huge for them. You know, Eddie Lampkin, obviously, is a big dude who went pretty hard in the paint for them. But, I mean, it helps to have, you know, I think a key moment I have written down is um, TCU gets it to 65-57, so getting it to single digits under four to go. 
Uh, Marquise Noel misses that three at the end of the shot clock. Mark Smith gets the rebound in the paint, makes a nice little drop step, gets the and one to make it 11 again, which I think really helped. But I mean, John, I I think, I think honestly, when you look at the type of player Mark Smith is, he's the type of guy you would want in these late game situations. I think Oklahoma state uh, back on Wednesday, they were up 62 to 57. Uh, Mark Smith uh, got caught up on a, and I, I think a flagrant foul situation with Oklahoma State. Since then, he went five. He went on a five-zero run on his own, just to get things, uh, uh, within, just like to get things tied up and all uh, with Oklahoma State. And just showing the amount of physicality he'll do just to win for this team, it just shows how great of a leader he is, uh, and how much he's he's going to fight for his players and for his coaches as well. Yeah, that really helps a lot. But I mean. You know, with 90 seconds left, you can't help but get a little scared. It's 68-61. I thought, and... I, had to, I, I thought I had to call another cardiologist oh again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We got a little deja vu after a turnover from the full-court press, looking like my sixth-grade MAYB team out there. Which, uh, which, and then, and then it goes down. Marquise Noah has a stupid reach and foul that is just you don't you don't want to be reaching when you're up seven with a minute left. Just terrible macro basketball. But I mean, Damian Ba misses both free throws, which really helps. I mean, you know, and we just pretty much run it out and win 75-63 against TCU on I mean, the road, which is a huge win. I mean, that but those two free throws though, just pretty much describe TCU's free throw shooting. I mean, that's got to be something that Jamie Dixon has got to be looking back on and saying, okay, we this is what we got to step up on uh, if we can play a, a basketball game without our top score. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens on TCU's part for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, K-State goes 15 to 20 from the line, 75%, 32 points in the paint. You get 12 second chance points as well. It really shows to our physicality. And, you know, we weren't settling for threes this game. Marquise Noel and Michael Girl as well were really good at driving the ball. The drive and kick led to some really open shots. Ismer Shoot only took two shots, but he made one in the corner. You know, he's probably due for a game soon as well. But, I mean, to get a little more – actually, I do have one thing I want to hit on with how well – how, you know, Davion Bradford and Carlton Leggard seem to be improving pretty quickly. Casey Eziegu got some playing time in this game as well. He got uh, six minutes. He, I don't, he kind of struggled a lot. I was going to ask you, John, I mean, do you think, you know, maybe not even not until the end of the season, but in the years to come, there's enough room on this roster for Casey Eziegu? I I don't know if I want to question that. Yeah. However, yeah. Yes. I think Casey Eziegu has hit his peak this season uh he he's showed up during non-conference play but a lot of teams have been in big 12 play have been just taking advantage and and just been torturing him in the paint uh and he's just been the type of guy that always gets into foul trouble uh constantly it seems like every game but uh davion bradford he had a he had a pretty good game as well four points uh as well he's starting to he's starting to wake up a little bit inside the paint so is carlton lingard he scored five so um I don't know. It's starting to look like things could be progressing in the right direction for the guys in the paint, uh, especially considering the fact that uh, those guys are starting to contribute more inside the paint defensively and get and help uh, re- with rebounds as well. Yeah, I mean, when Davion Bradford had that hip injury, I think it says a lot that he went to. I mean, he, I think sometimes he went to a, you know, Ish Masood at the five to start it out, but also putting in Carlton Lingard in the starting lineup. I think it yeah. really says it really says a lot. I mean, I hope over the summer Casey Eziego can get a lot better. Obviously, he had the knee injury last year, but I mean, he's somebody that we really needed in the middle of the season with COVID going on. 
and, you know, Davion Bradford getting an injury and um, Carlton Lingard coming off of an injury as well and not being able to practice in the summer or the fall. But I mean, it just, it really hasn't been there for them this season. I mean, there have been times this season where Casey has just been so limited inside that Weber has chosen to play a lineup of five guards rather than playing a single big man on the floor. I mean, Davion Bradford and Carlton Lingard are now giving their team a boost in the paint, but uh, it might not sound like much, but it it certainly won't put either of them in the running for Big 12 player this week, but a noticeable improvement over the numbers they have produced uh, in these last few games. And Bradford started, started the scoring on Saturday with a quick layup, just like he did against Oklahoma state. So uh, maybe, maybe he's a type of quick start player that kind of, regresses a little bit late in games. I mean, it won't be a big deal for K-State, but can continue contributing at even the small, the smallest level. But the problem is it seems hard for Weber to keep them both on the court. Each player is full. All, all the guys in the paint are foul prone. I mean, Bradford isn't the strongest player in offense. Lingard could use some work on defense. I mean, there are times when they can make some, uh, where it makes sense to take them out or, and give them a breather, but there is a significant drop off when they're, when they aren't in the lineup, and that is evident in in the TCU game on Saturday. Yeah, it's just a really it would be a really nice kind of um, feather on our cap to have really in our offensive repertoire to have a guy we could feed in the post to, and kind of you know if things aren't going well, we can't penetrate um, off the dribble, we can't make threes. It would be nice to kind of be able to work inside out, but it's not really something that we can do. I, I do think though, K State's starting to get into uh, starting to slowly but surely go the right direction with the way Bradford and Lingard have been playing as of late. So still a lot more basketball to come with. Uh, and we'll, and we'll see how much Carlton Lingard can develop, especially with the amount of reps he's going to be given uh, throughout these practices uh, here in the next few weeks or so. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about Bruce Weber teams, you know, sometimes they start out slow, but as the season goes on, they always get better every single year. And the product they put out in the big 12 tournament is always a lot better than when they started out the season. So yeah. I think this this team can really only go up. Hopefully. I mean, ironic, ironically, we always play TCU in, in the Big 12 <laughs> tournament. So, yeah. I mean, the stars could easily align for, for the continuance to happen. And, I mean, we always play TCU well in Kansas City for some sort of reason. I mean, I guess that's just how it works. But I mean, it's how we won the Big 12 championship in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I – I think what you got to learn from this K-State team, you, you cannot just count them out. I mean, the odds of reaching the postseason seem to be all but disappearing after what after an abysmal weekend down in Oxford against Ole Miss. Uh, but head coach Bruce Weber just found a way to help the Wildcats turn things around. They've won back-to-back important league games and had a realistic shot, and they have a realistic shot at finishing in the middle of the Big 12. I mean, this was a, this was a little bit unheard of. Uh, hit uh, like a couple of weeks back when K-State started 0-4 uh, after that abysmal game against TCU. I mean, there just seems to be something about purple, I mean, people counting them out that suits the Wildcats. I mean, they play their, be- their best when their backs are against the wall and they've responded both times uh, the sun uh, appeared to be setting on their season. So, I mean, it, we'll, we'll see how things go for sure. Yeah, I think you hit a point there on, you know, postseason play. I know uh, on Tim Fitzgerald's daily delivery, uh, he was talking about, you know, we have eight games left in conference play. If we go four and four, 
we can two, win two games in the Big 12 tournament, which depending on if we get a six seed or not, one of those, I mean, you know, could be the play-in, which would be a, I mean, it's the Big 12, it'd still be a good team, but not okay. like a tier one team. But I mean, that would put us at 18 and 15. Is is there any, I mean, I think that's in the bubble. I think, I think since the Big 12 SEC challenge, I think we've now gotten a little bit of a glimpse of how vulnerable some of these Big 12 teams have been. I mean, we've seen Oklahoma not put out their best performances with the likes of Bajon Cortez and the Grove brothers uh, when they lost to Oklahoma State in Stillwater yesterday. I mean, and also out of the fact Iowa State start, is having a hard time, uh, especially defensively. Uh, and then you also got West Virginia, who's on a seven-game losing skid uh, for the first time in a long time in the Bob Huggins era. So it's just it, – I. I think maybe people might have been over overestimating the Big 12 a little bit, but not, but by no means it's it's going to be a dogfight night in and night out. And hopefully, K State's just ready to get things going. I mean, if they have any aspirations and make them a tournament, they're, they're going to have to get some big wins on their res, resume for sure. Because that Ole Miss loss, like I said on Friday, that was going to that's going to be possibly the one that uh, that um, pretty much prevents the Wildcats from making the tournament. Yeah, you'd really have, I mean, you really have to kind of like make up for that loss with a win over, like a shocking win over a Baylor or a or KU Denver. in, in maybe Lawrence. A, or maybe a, or to a lesser extent, Texas Tech possibly. Yeah, Texas Tech on the road, Iowa State on the road. Obviously, I mean, Iowa State is below us now in the Big 12 standings, which is kind of shocking. But I mean, it's still a win in Hilton Coliseum would be huge. I mean, oh, yeah. we're kind of getting into what, you know, the Baylor game that's going to be on Wednesday at seven. Um, I mean, these two wins are great, right? But we're, what we tied with Oklahoma State in rebounding, we, we lost the offensive rebounding battle to TCU. It's, I mean, it's a whole different animal when you're playing Baylor and the size that they, they have. It's, it's, it's the, like the thing that really sticks out and well, the, the main challenge we're going to have. Well, I think when you're talking about those two games, K-State wasn't what K-State was out out rebounded but it wasn't like what what happened with the likes of Kansas Baylor and Ole Miss but now you get shot number two at the defending national champions I mean Baylor has been struggling uh as of late as well I mean taking it taking it up from one it's worth last night getting just embarrassed uh ran out of a building uh from KU I mean even without their top leading score in LJ Cryer uh, Baylor shot a disappointing 30% from a field and 26% from behind the arc. Uh, KU made 52% from a field and 25% from three. Uh, outside of uh, Baylor's Adam Flagler's second half, I mean, Baylor's guards did not have a good showing. Uh, James Akenju, Akenjo, uh, end of the game, 0 of 11 from a field. He's typically one of the biggest key playmakers for Baylor. And uh, Dale Bonner, who who got things going against K State as well, didn't score uh, until the three three twenty six mark. So, uh, we'll we'll see how Baylor responds, but 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 uh, they might have a chip on their shoulder heading into Manhattan after what happened in Lawrence this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Baylor, you're probably looking at this game just as a chance to hit the reset button and really bounce back. Because you mentioned that their last three games, they lost to Alabama by double digits. They only beat West Virginia by four who have we mentioned what they've lost seven straight, right? Their last place in the big 12. And then they just got absolutely mollywhopped by KU. So, I mean, they're really looking for a bounce back win. they're going to be motivated to come into Bramlage and beat us. And we're going to have to meet the challenge. Well, I think not. Well, I think you also had to kind of look at the games prior to that as well. They've got some questionable losses 
to the likes of Texas Tech and Oklahoma State in the Farrell Center in Waco. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the Baylor if Baylor dominating K-State for the first time in Waco was on Baylor's part, but it just didn't look like K-State – well, si well, it was simply K-State being outplayed. But um, we heard from Bruce Weber uh, through the press conferences was that the Ole Miss game was going to be the one K-State was focusing on that week and not the Baylor one. So – and in and, and regards to that, I'm not quite sure how to how to put my finger on it for sure, but um, but nonetheless, this Baylor team's going to be mad, and they're going to have some big guys playing. Yeah, oh, they definitely are. I mean, if you look at the stats team-wise, they pretty much beat us in every single statistical category. I mean, they're almost they're averaging almost 78 points a game. They shoot the ball really well, 47 percent. It's only our 42 percent. They're re out rebounding us, obviously. I mean, you know, almost 10 steals a game, which is super impressive because K-State's 7.2 is still pretty good. But, I mean, we're, John, we're going to have to keep hitting shots. I mean, we're, we're going to have to find a way to drive against these Baylor perimeter guards and, you know, keep to get the mm -hmm. big guys involved. Pack's going to have to have a huge game again, but we just need those other guys to come in. McGurl to get in double figures. Marquise Noel to get 7-8 assists. Uh, you know, Mark Smith with another double-double. I mean, we're really going to have to, you know, pull all the stops to try and pull off a win against a top 10 Baylor team. Well, I think you kind of mentioned that uh, as well with Baylor being just too big inside the paint. They're going to out-rebound you. I mean, that that's just likely going to happen on Wednesday. K-State's got to get their perimeter shooting going uh, as fast as possible. They cannot afford a slow start uh, if they want to be Baylor uh, on Wednesday. Um, and overall, just keeping that consistency and don't, uh, don't lay off on the gas uh, because you got things going. Just, I, I'm not sure. It just seems every time K-State as, as things going, K-State's going to eventually kind of lack a little bit at times over the next few minutes or so. I mean, ba this Baylor team, they were down, I think, 20-plus to Oklahoma State and Waco. They managed to almost come back and beat Oklahoma State. So K-State's got to be – K-State's got to be hands-on ready for what's going to be a big and really athletic Baylor team. Uh, we'll, we'll see how uh, we'll see if LJ Cryer is in the lineup too, because uh, that could make a huge difference if if he's not in the lineup for Baylor. That's definitely going to be a game changer. Again, yeah, Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, which kind of sucks, but you know, we'll show them. We'll show them that they, they should have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have any other thoughts, John, before we take a, a break and hit on the uh, women's basketball team? Uh, just, um, we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, just, it's not, it's not going to be an easy team. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if we're, I, I, I highly doubt we're going to win this one just with the way K-State has struggled over the past few times against Baylor. Uh, but I mean, you can't, at this point, you can't really count out K-State for what they've done as of late when people have just crossed them out. K-State just comes back and just suddenly takes advantage of that somehow. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. This team deserves a lot of respect from every opponent in the Big 12. I mean, ESPN's BPI gives us a 24% chance. So that's a chance. So it's a chance. It's a chance. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk some more K-State women's basketball W's. 
Every Friday night on The Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove live on Wildcat 91.9, you can find in-depth analysis on all things K-State sports. Yeah, when you really think about it, this is a really true K-State game. You know, we stayed disciplined. We didn't beat ourselves up. Your knowledge will be tested. K-State, KU, and Missouri have all been in a bowl game in the same season, one season. What year was that season? Let's go 2003. 2003 is? Correct. Laughs will be had. Man I'll, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old Louisiana, man, they're doing pretty good over there. Sometimes a tribunal ceremony will break out. Mere mortals, we are gathered here today. Tune in every Friday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. for the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove, or check us out on Spotify. That's okay. Let me get one more cop out of the way. <coughs> I don't have COVID. I don't have COVID, by the way. So I tested I tested on, uh, earlier on Friday. How oh, did you think you did? I thought I did, but I I don't. So. Okay, cool. Well, that's good. I got COVID like oh, we six weeks ago, so <laughs> antibodies. Oh, was that during the holiday break or? Yeah, it was just near uh, the end of it. So I was gonna come and do a radio show with the COVID sick man. Would we? Would we have to quarantine in the radio? In the yeah, room? we. I think we'd have to stay in the radio booth the entire time. Dang, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that just, it, just we'd be the only show. We'd have to nobody, do the we'd have to do the morning show, the news update, and DJ everything. Exactly. Well, Such a shame. We also got to make these. We got to also listen to the shows to the music that nobody cares about as well. So. <laughs> okay, just just firing shots at the radio station I am employed to. Yeah, it's not recorded. Oh shoot, it's recording. It is recording. This is this is gonna go in the episode. No, 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 no. And no. we're back. Me and John were just having some fun chat. Um, John drank water out of a ba- out of a bathroom sink. I had a donut and went pee. It was really so refreshing. the water was refreshing. Was it actually good? Yeah. I, well, for the for the listeners, at first I was I was coughing like crazy when I uh, when you were talking. I had to mute myself and uh i i was just like i had a scratchy throat so i gotta go to the bathroom since i was the nearest source of water and and i and i just drank out of it like a dog nice i don't know this is it's it's the type of weekend that has been for me it's just been i don't know i feel like i'm out all out of place it's it's been a drink water out of a out of a bathroom sink and like feel really good about it especially on friday too when it, when we were just starting to kind of branch out towards our ideas yeah. like i was just i was just I, I think i might have been having a little too much fun on friday <laughs> <laughs> that's never a problem well speaking of having fun the women's basketball team won uh last night at home bramlage coliseum against texas tech which was a a, a good game for a number of reasons aoka lee got her 1500th point She's the fastest K-State player to get 1,500 points. Also the first K-State player to score her 1,000th and 1,500th point in the same season. It obviously helps when you score 61 points in one game. Makes it a little bit easier to do. But, I mean, she had a really great game. 31 points, 7 rebounds, 3 blocks, 12 of 15. Like, I mean, after it's really great to see her thrive after struggling for, you know, kind of three games especially in the Iowa state game. And then one more thing to note record attendance this season for a women's basketball game, 5,588 people showed up. So always great. I, I think it's doubled since, you know, the, um, 
near the beginning of the season. So, I mean, people people know this is a really good team. This is a really good team. But boisterous, the, the boisterous crowd witnessed Aoga Lee making history once again. I mean, 13th player in program history to score 15,000 or, or plus. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 15,000. Did I name 1500? Shoot. 1, that would be impressive. No, no, that, that would just be oh, that would be that's 61 um, points. That's Walt Chamberlain, right? <laughs> she she becomes a 13th player in program history. Well, actually, I mean, if she became a 13th player, just think of what K State could have been. Uh, if the 12 other players are scoring 15,000, but uh, Aoka Lee becomes a 13th player in program history to score 1,500 or more points. Uh, in her career as lethality, a team high 31 of uh, 12 of 15 shooting and an and uh seven and seven and nine effort from the foul line as well. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Lee also held a team high seven rebounds. Uh, with this effort, Lee increased her career rebounding total to 788, uh, and passing Shayla Martin from the 2014 to 18 teams of 782, uh, and Elon Feeney. From a 1976 to 1980 season, who had 783 uh, for 10th and most hit in school history for career rebounds. So, definitely a great milestone. She once yeah. again surpassed. Did you say 10th? She's 10th uh, in school history now. Yeah, 10th in school history. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, not only not only was it a big night for her, but she also uh, was led by company as well. Uh, Joining Lee in double figures was the freshman trio of Jalen Glenn, Brylin Glenn, uh, and Serena Sundell. But three players combined for 42 uh, as Jalen scored 16, Briley scored uh, poured in 14, uh, Serena chipped in uh, with 12. So this was the first time this season which Lee was joined by double figures by all three of K-State's freshmen. And the Wildcats are 11-0 when three or more players reach double figures and scoring in the same game. So that definitely makes a big nip difference. Uh, Provenite K-State shot 54.9%, 28 of 51 from the floor, and uh, we're also 22 of 28 uh, from the foul line. So K-State got a, got a lot of opportunities from the charity stripe, and they took advantage of it for sure. Yeah, you hit a lot of stuff there, John, but I just want to give credit to uh, Texas Tech first before we get into K-State yeah. stuff, because I know we're going to get into it. Uh, Vivian Gray, a phenomenal player for Texas Tech, 36 points, 14 of 19. I mean, she went toe-to-toe with Aoka Lee. I mean, K-State got up 14-2 to early, and I'm just like, oh, thank, like, thank goodness. Like, we're just going to get an easy cruise game, just, you know, just crush Texas Tech before you play Baylor on Wednesday. But, I mean, Vivian Gray almost single-handedly kept this team in the game. She shot two three-pointers, too, as well. That was She made one of them. That was it. She was just crushing it in the mid-range. I mean, she looked like Kevin Durant just posting up and turning and fading. She made it look so easy. I mean, I hate to say it was, pre- it was pretty fun to watch. They shot 56% from the field as a team as well, 42% from three. And on top of that, they out-rebounded K-State by nine, but K-State still comes out with a win. And it was fairly convincing. And I think the main culprit that, you know, you kind of point to if you watch this game was the, the free throw shooting. 22 of 28 for K-State, only 12 of 15 for Texas Tech. Um, I think Brian Smaller pointed on the broadcast, 19 fouls between the two teams in the third quarter alone. Yeah. Um, the Texas Tech coach also got teed up during yeah. a timeout. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a crazy third quarter. And then you also add to the fact that two Texas Tech players also fouled out. Yeah. Uh, as well so uh but you 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 mentioned it texas tech 
the the, the record does not but like the k-state men's team the record does not uh show how this team performs i mean they've gotten a lot of teams uh this season in terms of big 12 play they won in austin earlier this year at texas uh they, well they creamed k-state in lubbock uh so seeing this texas tech team really perform uh against really what k-state is a better a better team at home uh, just comes to show that the big 12 uh is is just a high level pace of consistency from the top to the bottom uh in all categories so i i think like I've mentioned uh, for from a few games in the past, I think this is a big win for not only on Ayokali's part, but I think just knowing that K-State has the weapons that they can contribute, uh, uh, if they can get that going constantly, this could be the, like the type of, this could be what K-State's looking for if they want to uh, keep things going in terms of uh, a Big 12 championship run. Yeah, I mean, the big thing last year was, you know, Aoka Lee struggled with fouls. You know, she had a lot of foul trouble, and then she didn't have a great, I mean, no offense, but not a super great supporting cast, but these three freshmen have really helped him out, not only offensively, but defensively. Jalen Glenn in this game, six steals all by herself. I mean, it's <laughs> totally crazy. And, I mean, you mentioned Serena Sundell, who's in double figures as well. I mean, she's pro- she's up for Big 12 Freshman of the Year for sure. I mean, she was one of seven from the field. But she found a way to get herself involved. Nine of ten from the free throw line to get her twelve points in total, as well as seven assists and two only two turnovers. I mean, you know, it's a mark of a great player when it's you know it's not your night and you still put up a twelve and seven. I think I I think you put it on there. I think you you never you don't have to have the best night, but when you benefit some way for your team, it can it can go for a long way. I mean just as long as you're contributing in some way uh, possible, uh, you'll be just fine. I mean, it could be an off night. I mean, just ask Nigel Pack or Aoka Lee herself. You'll have bad nights. But as long as you're contributing at times uh, for your team, I mean, it's just just an all-around team-building foundation that that really K-State women's basketball has has built on this season. So a great win for this team. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what this what this team could do uh, in the future, especially with the way they just can try to connect on all cylinders uh, and just get get the pace going as well. Just just showing that there's not a whole lot of like problems within the team as well. So big win for sure. Yeah, again, uh, the, you know the women's team beats Texas Tech at home, 82 to 75. Second time um, they've gotten. 80 points in conference play this season. The other one, the obviously 94 against OU when Aoka Lee scored 61. But I mean, we can go ahead and get into um, a really huge game on Wednesday against Baylor on the road. Baylor, as we are recording this, is up five points with three minutes left against uh, ranked Texas. So we'll see if they come out with a win um, when they come to uh, play K State on Wednesday. But I mean, it's going to it's going to be I mean, this is a really huge game. If you have aspirations to get a high seed, not only the Big 12 tournament, but the NCAA tournament, I think believe they're projected to be about a five seed as it stands right now. So if you want to climb and get up there, I mean, this is one of the top teams in um, the the Big 12, especially considering you got swept by Iowa State. So if you could um, if you could sweep Baylor, that would be you know, that would really help that go a long way. And I think, I think K-State is a five seed right now, based on the latest ESPN Pracketology. I think K-State is projected right now to go to, to play at Notre Dame. 
as a as a five seed. So we'll see what happens. But uh, this isn't going to be the same Baylor team as we saw the last time these two teams played. Uh, in which case they got that big win. I think the first time in twenty eight, maybe twenty eight plus twi- uh, tries. Uh, K-State used a big quarter uh, in a 28-point second half from Aoka Lee to upset Baylor. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Baylor's at this point, they're, they're going to take every advantage they got on Aoka Lee. So, I mean, like pretty much what I've said uh, in the past, it's going to come to uh, to a foregone conclusion to uh, on Wednesday. K-State's got to rely – uh, on the perimeter shooting, they got to get their guards going with the likes of the Glinch, of the Glinch wins. Uh, Emily Ebert, I hope she shows up as well. Um, shoot. Oh, man, I forgot her name. But I think just all around, just the more amount of weapons case to contri- contribute on, I think it's going to come a long way. And, I mean, uh, it's not going to guarantee you a win because Baylor is just – historically a perennial power they're gonna get they're gonna get you uh a a heck of a matchup in waco for sure so i don't know i don't know i think it's gonna be a big matchup uh big matchup for sure a lot of implications on the line uh for both teams yeah and again it's on the road which is really which really kind of sucks the team is four and five uh, away in total i believe they're two and two in conference play on the road but and the showings they've really put out on the road have not been that great and and also defensively, K-State last time, they held Baylor to a season low uh, for points and the fewest points in a game since scoring 56 against Iowa State back in 2020. Uh, um, K-State held Baylor to their third lowest shooting performance, uh, 38.9%. So uh, a lot of, if K-State can get really their defense going, they'll put them in this game for sure. You just got to have the offense to be Baylor as well. And I think K-State, with the amount of weapons they have, especially with what they did against Texas Tech, that can go a long way for sure. Yeah, it really can. And I do stand corrected. It's actually two and three on the road. Uh, you know, again, they, they have that loss to Texas Tech in Lubbock. But yeah, you mentioned it. I think the defense is really going to help. I think uh, Jeff Mitty mentioned this at halftime of the, of the uh, game last night that, um, you know, I think a, a thing that this team could improve on is kind of um, still communicating even when they're not, you know, having a great game. I think even when the tide is turned against them, you know, to be, to still bring that energy to still talk and to still really, you know, try and get yourself out of the rut and back into the game is something that's going to be really important uh, for this game against Baylor. Cause I mean, after this, you've, you've still got some tough ones. You got to play Oklahoma on the road. I mean, obviously be able to take one at home against Oklahoma and Baylor, the two top teams in the conference right now in women's basketball, a uh, big 12 is huge. If you could sweep them, like I mean, oh my goodness, you're looking at a top 16 oh, total, you know, yeah. seed. I mean, that would be absolutely huge. I mean, you've got winnable games against Oklahoma State at home uh, at KU. That's you know, I mean, it's on the road, so we'll see. But it, it's a winnable game. You know, West Virginia um, at home, TCU on the road. Some of the games that I, I kind of said it randomly, um, but to finish out the season, you definitely can be looking at like a you know, like a 12 and six. Well, I think you you touched on it. I mean, it's going to be a tough stretch for K State. Oklahoma, obviously, they're going to be a lot more prepared. They'll, they'll for be the they'll be looking for they'll be looking yeah. for revenge after getting embarrassed like that. Oh man, that was just that, that was Oklahoma could do nothing against Aoka Lee. I, so I still oh. can't believe that they played. I mean, they it's not only that Aoka Lee dominated them. Oklahoma, they just looked objectively so terrible. 
I mean, they look they like really they look bad. like a high school team. They were just missing open layups in transition. They couldn't get anything going offensively. Had, it was I don't know. Had, they just didn't have no answers. K State yeah. just played them in general. So um, maybe when it comes to an environment, we'll see what happens because uh, Oklahoma tends to play well in Norman. Uh, and from what I saw, I think this weekend they beat West Virginia in double overtime. I think like 101 to 99. So you can't. So you would not want Oklahoma on one of their best shooting days. Uh, you you mentioned KU on the road. It's going to be tough. I, I think K-State might have that one. Uh, and I think K-State just overall, they they always tend to win in Lawrence uh, a lot. Well, the women's team does, not the men's team. <laughs> no, definitely not the men's team. But a win, but a lot of these wins down the stretch, against, especially against Baylor and Oklahoma, I think that locks a top 16 bit, especially considering – you got Aoka Lee on your team, in which yes, in which the bracket, but people who uh, work the brackets and all, uh, they're gonna take into notice. Hey, we got Aoka Lee uh, just providing a national boost for K State. I mean, that I think they've earned the opportunity to host. So uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I mean, I know I've been saying we'll see what happens a lot in this show, but. I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's just going to tell a lot about how, how this season's going to go out for both the women's and the men's teams, for sure. Yeah, I think this could really be a turning point of the game because, you know, I think the last few games against really tough opponents, we haven't really played that well, you know, against um, Iowa State and then against uh, Texas. That's who I was thinking of. Well, Texas partic- as well on the road. Well, particularly on the road as well. Yeah. The last three games. I mean, the yeah. one – two and three with the last three being losses to Iowa state, Texas and Texas tech. So, uh, well, uh, it's, it's gonna, it's not going to be easy. Uh, well, especially when you're playing in Waco against Baylor, uh, you still got a road trip in Norman to take, you got a road trip at KU to take. So still a lot of tough games, but I, I think K-State, I think K-State has a shot to pull this off. I think K-State really has a shot at doing, doing things and, I mean, whenever K State's at home, you just gotta, you you just gotta be feeling really good about this team. Well, especially with the way they play at home, and I mean, you know, a lot of this wouldn't be possible without without the amount of fans that that are starting to pack Bramlage more and more often. I mean, that was a record crowd they had for Texas Tech yesterday. So, this is a big one for K State. This is a really big one for K State uh, this Wednesday and. Whenever Wildcats are home, just come out and out and give the support. Give the support all as much support as you can because because uh, this team is going to do some bright things uh, ahead for the, for the next few years, for this year and next year to come. So yeah, I mean it's it's not very often that you have a national player of the year candidate wearing the purple and white. Yeah, that's that's pretty rare. I mean the K State purple, not not the any. Yeah, not the TCU purple. That's purple and gray. But anyway, I mean, it's it's probably not since like Michael Beasley we've had a, a you know a, somebody on the caliber of Aoka Lee, you know, to her sport. You know, obviously we have Deuce Vaughn now. We'll see what he does well, next he, year. But obviously that's you know speculation into, in the future. And to a and to a lesser extent, Eric Kennard, who was on the track and field team, who also won an yeah. Olympic gold medal. That too. is true. Yeah. Cool. And then just to give. Show uh, you'll you'll okay. have a you'll have a spark in there. Yeah, yeah. And then just to give an update, uh, Baylor, as it currently stands, is up by eight with eleven seconds left over Texas, uh, in this game. So it looks like the 
the Baylor women's team is going to beat Texas on the road, which is going to be really impressive. That's going to be a great win for them. They'll go to seven and three Baylor. Well, K-State right now is at seven and four. So, I mean, that'll be a really big game to turn the tide about, you know, who's going to finish where in conference play. And if we can get it, you know, a top seed, make a run in the big 12 tournament and try and get a title. Uh, Nilissa Smith for Baylor right now, having a great game, 28 points, 11 of 18. Right, I mean, she's, ooh, that's going to be a, that's going to be a problem on Wednesday. For sure. Yeah. For you sure. got anything else to say before we get out of here, John? I uh, got, well, I mean, Texas is losing. So, I mean, I got to put up the horns down. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Put up an audio horns down. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing the, how the, how the rest of the season goes. I, I, I think, I think this team has be as a huge opportunity uh, throughout late in the season. I am definitely hoping they get a top 16 bid or if, if not, if not been, possibly get a shot at going to the Wichita region as well for the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. So that, just, that would, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really excited. I just got this uh, just hype <laughs> right now. Ready to, play, <laughs> ready to be Baylor in both basketball, basketball yeah. on Wednesday. So that, that would be, that would be, that would be really, really, I mean, you know, it was a really great Saturday to get two wins from both teams. I think both of them start at seven o'clock. Yeah, they're both at the same time, so oh, you gotta man. you gotta buy another screen. Sadly, oh man, that's <sighs> brutal. Yeah, they always, I don't know why they can't play games on different days. It would it would really help me out, so I don't have to like go back and like rewatch them. Well, it would help me out with my with the Instagram page that I run as well. Oh yeah, you got to do double duty. That's gonna be that's right. So I'm gonna be pretty busy on Wednesday. You need to hire some interns or something, you know. I think you're probably making enough money. You can, you know, start to flesh things out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that generous, Blake. Well, you don't have to pay interns. It's just it's great. Just just put great experience in the in the job <laughs> application, and they'll, they'll just go for it. What they will, what what, what they will earn is my credit. There, my <laughs> respect. There we go. Being, I'll be proud of him like a father if they do a great job. <laughs> you got to put that's that's what people are looking for in a job. Just put it on board. A father, right. a father like figure to give them validation and be emotionally that's available. Right. That's exactly what they're looking. I sound for. like a father as well while, while I'm speaking, but it's okay. Uh huh. Okay. Well, based on how this conversation is going, I, I think we should get out of here. John. I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> it's Sunday. We should probably get we should probably get out of here. So I think we gotta we gotta refresh for our classes tomorrow. Yeah. Oh I guess the Pro Bowl happened. The AFC one. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. Anyway. Oh man. Well, thank you for listening. Make sure, like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, follow the podcast, you know, leave a review, and uh, make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram and other social medias. Those links will be in the description of this episode, as well as the Sparkle Quizzes. And we'll be back on Friday, live on Wildcat 91.9 from 6 to 7 p.m. if you like to catch the dynamic duo live in action. But it'll also go up that night on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts if you'd like to listen there as well. And I mean, I'm looking forward to two, talk about two wins against Baylor on Friday, John. Catch my Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. It, it is uh, going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, I mean, we hope you all have a great rest of your week. And like I said, Cats by 90. Two wins Cats against Baylor. Cats by 90. Emo, emo.